saying, uh, as Mike would say, good morning, church. Good morning, church. And good morning to you online, church. If you're joining us from home, we want you to just take a moment at, at your homes. If you haven't already gotten yourself a cup of coffee, you haven't gotten your pen, you haven't gotten your paper, and your Bible, you're going to need that this morning, too. If you've got young people with you in your home, I would encourage you to just get them a blank piece of paper, a pen, a crayon, and encourage them to write down some things or even draw some things that maybe they're thankful to God for. That's what we're going to be talking about today anyway, so that would be something very nice for them to do at home. So with that being said, how's everybody here? Good? Well, we're excited about you uh, being here this morning. It is very cold outside. My new home uh, right now is in uh, Chandler, Arizona. It is not this cold there. And uh, we like it that way. We like it that way. This morning we're going to, uh, we're excited about, uh, I'm excited about the series that you are going through um, uh, with Mike and, and, your, and your team, your Westside Christian Church team. This is fantastic. I love the idea. I love what uh, uh, they have put together. And we're going to not take a break from it uh, in, today. We're going to just continue with it just a little bit uh, in a different manner, okay? So thanks to, to Mike for what he is doing and hope that he's having an okay time. Him and Lori, where they're at right now. But recover the mission. With all that's going on in our world right now, don't you think that that's a pretty good theme? Recover the mission. I really like the four different parts of, of this particular overall umbrella. And that is recover, renovate, reconnect, and reap. It's fantastic what you're going to go through as far as a sermon series, and also for a preparation for the applications that are going to come as a result of this series. This is one I think that's going to not only be, not only be a series that uh, you know, is good from, from the pulpit on Sunday mornings, we always like to hear a good sermon, but also it's going to be a, a better sermon once it becomes lived out in what we do on a daily basis. There are things that we're going to be able to do to recover this mission, not just here, but at home in our communities. Also to renovate the mission. What does it look like now that it's never looked like before? I've heard this statement, and maybe we're in the, in the throes of this right now, and that is there, is, there is not the way of doing church. There is also a new and creative, even more creative ways to do church that we've not seen before. Maybe we're on the front end of seeing what God can do through our creativity that he has given to each of us. We have all been given great unique ideas, and maybe it's time for some of those things to come to the forefront, saying, what if we did church this way? What if we did it this way? And reconnecting. I'm so glad that uh, you guys are doing virtual live online things uh, in this community as well as in person, but there, you just can't do, you can't do much to just replace the in-person, can you? It's just really, really nice to be in person with folks. But if there's um, a way for you that you can't be here on a Sunday or during the week sometime to connect online virtually, please do so. Please do so. There, uh, Mike and the crew are, are making every attempt to um, make sure that they're connected, even though you might not physically be in the same place together. So just uh, take advantage of that. Are you guys ready to talk about what I have today? 
I'm ready to talk to you about it. One of the things I want to talk about today is one of the very toughest passages of Scripture that I personally have been struggling and dealing with in the last year. And maybe more. And each of us probably, if we went around the room and said, uh, what is the most difficult passage that you have struggled with in the last year, I'm sure we would all have uh, the very different answers. But there is one in particular that when we read this passage, we think to ourselves, wow, that is a very encouraging passage, and it really isn't. It really is a difficult passage. It's fun reading it in the NIV translation because it speaks of the positive parts And it leaves out some things that I think sometimes in other translations we need to pay attention to. Because it gives us the whole whole story. It gives us the bigger picture. It's like, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that before. And we get all excited about things. And then all of a sudden, all of the other possibilities come into play. And it's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming at all. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture that I have been working on myself, and it has been a challenge. I thought I had this down, and I don't. Do you know that uh, there's, just with the Bible, this is not just the only place that we think we have it down and we don't? If we're a parent, you think we have it down, and we don't. We are learning each and every day, even, even if our kids are in their 20s and their 30s, and we're still learning as parents how to do this thing the, the, the way that we ought to be doing it. And that's just a part of the process, isn't it? So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this passage. It's in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Okay? Now keep in mind that the Apostle Paul who wrote this passage, he was in prison when this, when this was written. Okay? In all of our situations, in all of our circumstances, I will say at the front that it is very easy for us to to think about good things, to meditate on good things when things are going good. When things are not going good, it becomes more difficult, doesn't it? We have a tendency to focus our attentions on the things that are not so great. And if we are not careful, they will dominate our thought process and it has a then after it's dominated our thought process it has a way in working itself into our everyday lives it affects us personally whether we believe that or not it does it affects us personally what we think on a daily basis so it is always always critical for us to to be checking our thoughts what are we thinking Where's my mind going in this situation? We always have a tendency to lean in the negative direction sometimes. And here Paul, he he is in prison, and he's got every right to lean in the negative direction. And he's writing a letter to the church of Philippi, and he says, and um, um, I think I've written to you all that I really need to say. Um, One last little piece of encouragement uh, would be to do this. And you know what I love about sometimes what the Apostle Paul has written to us? He is either working on it or perfecting it himself in the writing of those words. You can't tell me that uh, being in a prison, 
being in the places and going through some of the hardships that he went through, that it was always, always a smile on his face, always a pep in his step. It just probably didn't happen that way. But at the end of the day, his goal was to think about the good things, the positive things that may, could, may have come out of what he experienced. And one of those things he always comes back around to is that the advancement of the gospel. Have you ever noticed that? When we read the epistles, when we read Galatians, Ephesians, throughout all of it, it's just a reminder of as long as the gospel is advanced, that's what really matters. Not how I was treated, not how I feel, not how I look. All of that doesn't matter. What really matters is that the gospel has advanced. And he serves, uh, and he has served uh, 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 many of uh, occasions in this very same situation, and his attitude always is leaning in the positive direction, and he has an option of going one of two ways. Let's talk about that this morning. In the message translation, it says this. Summing it all up, friends, it's as if you were writing a letter to your friends. Summing it all up, friends, I would say that you will do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you have learned from me, what you have heard and saw and realized. Do that. Do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. By yourself, are you a good singer? Would you say that you're a good singer by yourself, solo-wise? I am not. I don't even sing when I'm by myself. But you put my voice in a group of other people, and all of a sudden there's a harmony there. And because it is so good, you can't tell if you can sing good or not. Because you have blended in with everybody else's voices, and it's a beautiful sound that comes from that. It's kind of like what we're talking about here. He will work everything into his most excellent harmonies for us in the rhythms. I have a friend named Stacy who does podcasting with me every Monday and Wednesday and Friday. And one of the things that uh, we have encouraged her to do in the course of the last year that we've been trying this out is we have encouraged her to write a book. It's always fun writing a book when you didn't think you could do that. And she has a history of dance. She's 30 years dance teacher. And so in all of her conversation, what we have said is, you need to write a book. She said, I don't even know what to title it. Well, I did. And the title that we gave that book is Underneath the Music. God does things underneath the music that we don't know about. He puts things together in such a way that we don't understand. But in the end, it, it makes sense. In the end, you can hear it. You could feel it in the rhythms, in the beat of that song. 
And I do believe he is creating a great, great song with us. In this verse, I want to focus on two words. And I want to make sure that we both, that we, all of us see them uh, here. It says, at the very beginning, it says, you'll do best by filling your minds by meditating on things true. And then, of course, it gives us the things to meditate upon. So the very first word that I want to talk about is the word meditate. Meditate. Good word to write down in your notes if you're taking notes at home, if we're taking notes live here in person, just go ahead and, and, and take a minute and write meditate down. There's going to be a few things that we'll, we'll want to write down this morning, I, I think, so that we can hopefully come back to these notes and, and use them as an accountability tool, not just for ourselves, but for each other, and say, hey, are we doing this? Are we meditating on his word? Are we meditating on, the things that, meditating on things that are true and noble and reputable and authentic? The other word is towards the tail end of that passage, and it's the word do. Do. And he gives us a few things that he wants us to do. He says, practice what you have learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. The very next word is do. Do what you saw. Do what you heard. Do what you realized. Do what you learned from me. It will really be helpful to you in your journey. Because he himself was convinced that it was helpful in his own journey. And it was. One of the things I like about this about this uh, translation, this passage too, is another word. We're not going to focus a lot of attention here, but we're going to just point it out. It says, put into practice what you have learned from me, what you have heard and saw and realized. Practice. In any and everything that we have done, any and everything that we've experienced in our lives, wanted to get better at, we've had to do what? Practice. Practice, practice, practice. Okay? I am a person who is, uh, I, I'm a driver. Not only am I a doer, but I'm a driver. Let's get it done. Let's do it now. And uh, I, I have, uh, you know, not fared so well in that, in that at some uh, ventures in my life. Because when I want things done, it's not really the, God's timing. It's like, what are we waiting on here? What are we waiting on? Come on, let's go. Let's pick it up. And he's saying, just hold on a minute. Just hold on a minute. I got you. I got you covered. I know what I'm doing. Has there ever been a time that you have thought, God, do you know what you're doing? Have you ever asked him that question? God, what, do, what are we doing here? Hey, hey, hey. Are we sleeping? It's time to wake up. We got things to do. And all he wants us to do are the typical things, the normal things. And if we do those correctly, all the other stuff falls into place very nicely. Here's what I understand about the word practice. We practice because we're not perfect. I practiced in my whole life, I've practiced to become perfect. I've practiced to be the best at something, and guess what? You never arrive. You will never arrive at perfection. Not until the day that he comes back, right? I ran into a friend this past week. It's a new friend of mine. He is on the East Coast, and one of the things that uh, he has experienced is he had an, a flesh-eating bacteria that took a lot of muscle and uh, skin from the right side of his body, 
but he has recovered. He's come back. Things are looking really good for him, and uh, we're just glad. We're just glad that God's answered some prayers in, in that manner. And one of the things that he and I talked about on a recent podcast together was we talked about this very thing. And what he encouraged us to do and what he encouraged me to do is he says, pass on perfection. Just pass on perfection and go for greatness. And I thought, can you, can you really do that? Can you pass on perfection and go for greatness? I said, so what, what, do, what do we mean here, Chris? What do you mean when you say that? He said, you know, greatness is just doing the little simple things that nobody else thinks of doing, and they forget to do. Do those things with your greatness, and it, it will not be forgotten. It will be remembered by someone. The subtitle of this little podcast thing that I've been working on is Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. And I got to thinking about our faith, and I got to thinking about our relationship with Christ. Maybe it should be reversed. Maybe it should be that we are extraordinary people that do ordinary things exceptionally well. Loving our neighbor. Be nice by opening the door for somebody else. Starting the conversation because it's kind of awkward nowadays and not being connected like we were when we're out and about. Who starts the conversation? Who ends the conversation? Do, when I walk past you, am I nice or do I just put my head down to the ground and keep walking? If we do the just simple, ordinary things, making a phone call, sending an encouraging note, whatever it might be, if we just do those ordinary things extraordinarily and exceptionally well, things will look a little bit different. Did you know there is the way that we think and there's the way that he knows? There's the way we think and there's the way that he knows. One of the big words for me this year and that I have picked for myself is the word surrender. And it's not a word that is a, I surrender and, and in, in, a, in, a, in a negative manner. It's a, I surrender to what you want. I, I really believe that, I, that if, if we want to do what God wants us to do, then we've got to get ourselves out of the way. And so I have set myself up to be accountable for that because I have a very tough time doing that. Getting myself set aside and saying, I surrender. Do I really? I am really, I am really being, being um, not tested, I don't believe, is the right word in that area, but I'm being challenged. I'm being challenged in that right now. Do I really surrender all to his way and in the whole process of that what i've done is i started a journal i i journal a lot of things does anybody else here journal anybody online journal you can just uh let us know on the chat or 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 wherever you're listening in from you can let us know that uh, do you journal what do we journal i had to make a shift in my journaling experience, and here's why I had to do that. I would open up that little notebook, and I'd put, oh, man, this went wrong today, this went wrong today. And I would go through and think, oh, my Lord, I don't, I don't even want to read what I wrote. It was so negative. 
And I had to surrender even that. And I have decided I'm going to work very, very tough uh, on the word gratitude. I want, to, I, want to, I, I want to have an attitude of gratitude. As a matter of fact, I have to practice that because I have put together a new book called Actitude. Not attitude, uh, A-C-T, act your way into a positive life. And that is one of the things that we are, uh, we are tr- I'm trying to do is, that, okay, well, wait a minute. If, if I wrote it, don't I have to do it first? Even before I have uh, decided to put it out in a published version? Don't I want to be a man of my word here and do what I say in the book that that we should be doing together? I have discovered a few things. Maybe you've already discovered this, and if so, I am so glad that you have. I'm a little short in the learning process. takes me a little while. I'm 51 years old, and I should have learned this stuff when I was 31 years old, right? But there is a difference between the word grateful and the word gratitude. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take time to think about this in, in, in my own life, until it was pointed out to me uh, from a dear friend, and, and this is what they said. You have to be grateful all the time, but you're grateful for things that are past tense. When we are grateful, we're grateful for things that he has already done. Thank you for the things that you have done in my life up to this point. Thank you for the food on my table. Thank you for the clothes on my back. Thank you for the relationships that I have. Thank you for the things that I have Thank you for the job that I have, etc., right? That is being grateful. So what is being what is having a spirit of gratitude? What's the difference? And here's the di- here's the difference in how it was explained to me. Having gratitude is thanking God in anticipation for what is to come. I thank you in advance. For what you're going to do in this situation. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in my life. I thank you in advance for this project that I've been working on. Whatever you fill in, that, that's what it is like. And my wife and I have, uh, have uh, very recently seen that, God, we are thankful for what you are going to do. We are in the, in, in the middle, in the, in the, in the present that's what we're trying to actually do. Be present. Just be present and understand that he's, ta- he's got us. He's taking care of us. We were in New Mexico, in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, November the 25th of this, of this last year. And she had been given a job opportunity in Chandler, Arizona, which would mean we would have to move there. And I thought, okay, this is going to be fantastic. We got all this COVID stuff going on. We have a lot of stuff here in the house that we've. I don't want to pack it. Who wants to pack their stuff and move? Just leave it. Leave it for the next person. And if they don't want it, they can do what they want to with it, right? So I called a friend of mine and said, "You know what? You you uh, you, you have time to help us sell our house." She was a realtor. And she said, "Absolutely. Let me come meet with you and Mel tomorrow." She came and met with us on the October the 23rd of 2020. I thought, oh, I've got time. I've got time to get from here to Chandler 
sell the house, get rid of some stuff that I don't want to take, on and on. And she called me back that night and she said, we sold your house. I said, you did what? She said, isn't that what I'm supposed to do, was to sell your house? I said, yeah, but like not this fast. When am I supposed to be gone? She said, November 25th. You, there's a lot that can happen in, in, in a few days. We, I, I, I started making signs for a garage sale and said, thank you, God, for what you did. And thank you for what you're getting ready to do. I don't even know what that is. But thank you for it. So I started putting together some uh, yard sale signs. And Mel was at work, okay? So I'm not really, I'm doing this by myself, right? So I have to trust my gut. <laughs> so I put yard sale and furniture. So I put those things on each of the corners that led to our house. <laughs> I sold it all. All of it. I had the garage door up. I had all of the garage sale items out in the driveway, and people would come by and say, I thought you said you have a yard sale and a furniture sale. I said, I do. Come on in. So I invite them into my house, and I say, what would you like? What would you like? We sold absolutely everything except for the couch that we don't want. <laughs> we sold it all. We had no place to go in Chandler. No place. And I was reminded very, very um, uh, quickly in, in a prayer that I had prayed. said, God, I don't, know any, I don't know anybody over there. I don't know a realtor over there in Arizona. Who's going to help us? And it was later that night that I remember a, a gentleman that I know in the neighboring town. So I called him and I said, hey, Bobby, would you happen to know someone who's a realtor? He said, oh, our best friend. Me and my wife's best friend is a realtor and they'll set you up. In two days after that phone call was made, we received a phone call. Hey, there is a, there is a person who wants to, needs to lease their place. It's a little condo place. They need to lease it and have a tenant by Friday. Without even looking at the place, without even seeing pictures of the place, we said, we'll take it. It's 12 minutes from her work. We did not know that until we got there. He's working on things that we don't even know about. All our responsibility is, is to be grateful for the things that he's done and in advance for what he's about to do. He has us covered. We don't have to worry about that. He has got us. But there are always two sides to everything. There's a good and a bad. And it's about our perspective. It's how we look at things, isn't it? Think about this. What we feed wins, whether it's good or it's bad. How, how, how many times have you thought of, of, of negative thought and you've thought it longer than you wanted to, but it took over your entire day. It took over your entire week. And in some cases, it might, for some folks, it has taken over their entire lives, year after year after year. I've talked to people that have said, I didn't get over the thing I needed to get over for 10 years. And it was just a negative thought that they had, either about themselves or about somebody in their lives. 
we can choose to think about that, but what we feed wins. We water in flowers or we water in weeds. Whichever we water is going to grow. It doesn't matter. It's going to grow, whether you like it or not. What we think about dominates our minds, and here's what I believe. I believe that our complaining demands a retraining of our minds. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Remember that passage that says, be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Now we have to do that, right? It's always great to read it. It's like, okay, when you read something and you're thinking about somebody else and what they should be doing, we're reading it wrong. We have to read it and we have to say, okay, what do I need to change? What do I need to work on? What do I need to get more positive in and let go of the negative? It's always fun to say, I've heard, I heard a guy one time, he read a book, he goes, I said, so what did you think of when you got done reading the book? He says, oh, I know who needs to read this. He read it wrong. So I encouraged him to read it again with his own self in mind. It changed the whole thing. It changed his whole perspective. In our accountability time, in, in, the, year, in the year that we've had our accountability, his name is Jason, his life has changed and it's changed for the better. He didn't think that he could be this positive. He didn't think that he could look outside and see more than just the color beige. He can see colors now. It's amazing. There's good things about people that he never thought were good at all. He's seeing the good in them. And that's including himself for the very first time because he's changing his mindset. He's changing some things in here. Here's what that says. So here's what I want you to do. I just love how this uh, translation puts it. It's like, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix. Everybody say fix. Fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Stop for just a moment. Changed from the inside out. That's the only change that matters. That's the only change that works. It's the change that happens from the inside out. We want everything else around us to change first. It doesn't happen that way. We have to change what's happening in here first. That's how everything else changes. From the inside out, it's what lasts. He knew it when he wrote it, and it's still true today. Here's the rest. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Here's a couple of things that I'd like to point out about this passage, and we are just about done, I promise. Romans 12, 1 and 2, to me, I wrote down four things that I want us to focus on. So even when you go back and read it for yourself and you're using a pen or a highlighter, circle these things as just reminders of what we need to pay attention to when we read through this verse. Number one, embrace what God does for you. 
Embrace what God does for you. Number two, don't adjust to your culture and not even think. If we let our culture do our thinking for us and we turn into negative thought patterns constantly, that is uh, what is called stinking thinking. We've heard that term before, haven't we? Stinking thinking. Number three, we have to fix our attention on God. Fix our attention on God. When things are going crazy all around us, where do kids kids usually focus their attention to see that they're safe, to realize that they're safe? They look for their parent, don't they? They look for their mom or they look for their dad. In this case for us, when we fix our attention on God, we'll just be constantly reminded that we're okay. We're safe. We're in good hands. Counteract every bad thought with a good one. So whenever we have a bad thought, how many times do you have a bad thought throughout a day? I have bad thoughts a lot. Oh my Lord, do I have some bad thoughts. I have negative thoughts. It's like, wow, what? <laughs> that person wasn't very nice. Well, maybe they weren't very nice because I wasn't very nice. But I don't, have a, I don't have a tendency to think that way first. I have a tendency to think the other way first. Do you? Man, they're in a bad mood. Maybe I'm in a bad mood. Maybe that's why they're in a bad mood. How, how, how is this happening? How come my whole day's negative? Because all these people around me made my day negative. Oh, really? Did they or did you make your day negative? And everything around you was just viewed through that lens. What we fix our attention on gets our attention. The world, also number four, respond by doing, by praising, and thinking on these things. Think on these things, the good things of God. So one of the things we want to we do is, is just kind of, I, I want to just kind of, just uh, unpack that just for a little bit as, as we come to, a, to a, a close here. The world brings out our immaturity while the word focuses on our maturity. Make sense? All we have to do really for it to make sense is to turn on the TV. Just listen to the news and look at the immaturity that is around us always. And what does it do? Even when you click on that button to turn the TV off, guess what kind of mood you could potentially be in if you're not careful? Negative. Because everything is negative around us. Fear is a driving force right now that doesn't need to be. We don't need to be fearful. We, we are in good hands. But fear drives what's going on in the world around us right now. God develops and brings out the best in us. He doesn't bring out the worst in us. He brings out the best in us. He's the giver of all good things. So why would he, why would he point out the negative side of things in us? He doesn't. He points out the best. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage myself with this little thought today. Stop looking to the right for signs of maturity. Stop looking to the left for signs of maturity. Just look up 
Look up, look up. Just look up. When I was writing the character growth program for young people, I discovered three steps that I lined out for people to follow that had already been lined out for us in the Word. This is crazy. I have created a program called the Hero Builder, which is a character growth program for students to build their lives upon. They need that character as their foundation, and you and I both know that in, even underneath that foundation of character is Christ as our stable foundation, right, that we build everything upon. But the three steps to get into this program and to get the best out of it and what have you, I said, we need to get equipped. We need to take action to see results. Get equipped, take action, see results. And it dawned on me the other day. I wrote this into my notes because I caught this after I wrote my notes for today. Get equipped, take action, see results. Think, do, see. Think, do, see. No matter where we look in Scripture, there are these three things. All of Scripture. Think. In the Old Testament, what does he, what does he, what does he encourage you to do? Meditate on my word. Get it in you. Meditate on it day and night. Okay, meditate. And what does it do when it gets in you? You want to do something with it, don't you? It makes you want to do something with it. If it says in the Word of God, if it says, love your neighbor, okay, now, how, now what do we do? Just close the book and be done? We go love our neighbor. Even if it's difficult, we go and try our very best to love our neighbor. Even if it's not the way that we want it to be at first, remember, we're practicing this. We're practicing the things that we've heard, seen, and realized. That's what we're doing here. So I want to encourage us to think and do and see. Think and do and see. Do you hear the rhythm in that? Think and do and see. If we got rid of all the chairs and we had just a big dance set up here in in, in this whole sanctuary today, think and do and see, we'd probably get something going on. Somebody could cut a rug pretty good with those three things, right? Think and do and see. Think and do and see. There's a rhythm in there. There's a beat. But you can't do and think and see. See and think and do. It is in an order For a reason, I think. Meditate on this word, then do what it says. If we don't know what it says, we're not going to do it. Think and do and see. James 1.22, act on what you hear, do what it says. In the NIV translation, that particular passage says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says. Do what it says. So what's it reminding us again of even there? To think, do, so we can see that the Lord is good. We're not just looking for results here for ourselves. We're seeing that God is good, and he is good indeed. We also have to spend some time to reflect on what we have done so that it helps us know if it measures up to what we've heard. If it doesn't, Then we go back and we change our thinking some more. 
We don't just change our thinking one time. We change our thinking day in and day out. Thinking leads to doing. So hide his word in your heart. Another way to look at it is this. Meditate, activate, replicate. Meditate, activate, replicate. Think, do, see. Think, do, see. Very, very simple, but very hard to do. It is very hard to do. Think and activate, replicate, meditate. We can get all of those words kind of mixed up in our minds. I can even do it myself. I'm doing it right now. But if we just keep, keep it simple, think, do, see. Think, do, see. If you're nice to somebody else, I'm telling you, you will be able to see it. There was a lady when I had a church plan in New Mexico. She would always raise her hand in the middle of church. Always. Just raise her hand right in the middle of a sermon. Just raise her hand. And she would not lower her hand until I've called on her. Say, fellas, what do we need today? And she said, you know what? Every time I go out, every time I go out to the store, people are rude. They're just rude. They're rude at the store. They're rude at the gas station. They're rude, rude, rude. So I gave her a challenge. This passage of Scripture. Think about the things that are good and true and noble and beautiful and right and just and noble. All of those things. And keep your focus on those things. And when you pull into the parking lot of the store you go to next, before you go in, thank God for the supply that's going to be in the store. Thank God for the, for the resources that you have to, to, to pay for the groceries that you're going to go in and get. And just... Ask somebody, just one person, every time you go to that store, just ask one person, how can I help you? How can I help you? The next Sunday, we're in the middle of another message. Phyllis raises her hand. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I'm never going to get done. I'm never going to get done. I could, if, I, if I had timed myself and just preached a message up to the point that Phyllis raised her hand, I would have had one message for 12 years. She said, you know, I did what you said. I went to the store, and I, before I went in, I said, God, thank you for all that you've given me. Help me be nice today. And she said, you know what? Everybody in that store was nice. Everybody down every aisle was nice. I said, isn't that crazy how that works? It's crazy. She had made a change and a shift in her mind and it really did help her in a lot of ways. Fix our mind and meditate. And what we meditate on gets acted upon. What we feed wins. So I want to encourage you to trust God with your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. You know what? There is no way that you and I can understand what's going on in the world around us right now. A passage of scripture that I've been struggling with, and hopefully you will be too. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust God with all your heart. I've read it my entire life. Maybe you have too. Trust God with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways, dot, dot, dot. And then I took time to stop and meditate, even on that passage. 
Am I really trusting him the way I ought to be trusting him? Am I trying to figure things out on my own, trying to get ahead of him? And I had to answer that question with a yes. I have tried to get ahead of God, and he will not ever let us get ahead of him. He has a plan. And what I have decided in my journey of, ser of serving, of struggling, I have to also surrender. And in my surrender, one of the things that I have had to surrender is my need to know in advance what he is going to do. And I have put it this way. I would rather trust in his well-laid plans than my half-made plans. And the very last thought for us today is we must thank him for what he's done, join him in what he's doing, and anticipate what he will be doing in the future. So before I turn it over to Amar, one of the things that I want to do very quickly before I exit the stage is I just want to pray with you that what we've talked about today, the series that you're getting ready to experience, the entirety of with Mike and the team, that it goes the way that we've planned if it's in accordance with his plan. Okay, this is going to be a great series to, to look, look at and meditate on, think about, do, and you will see results, whether it be personal results or whether it be congregationally, you will see results. If we think and we do, we will see results. So pray with me for uh, just a moment. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for this chance that uh, I have had to come and be a part of Westside Christian Church today. And it is a joy to not just be able to talk from your word, but to always be in your word. And with the series that they have before them, I pray that in advance, I pray that all of the things that are coming, that you will help them to to see that it doesn't go unnoticed, that, that you are in fact doing those things. You are the one who is putting it together. Help us to just concentrate on the one thing, really, that's going to make the biggest difference of all here, of what we have talked about today, and that is to think and to meditate on your word, to get in there, to learn what we're to do. And I really believe that one of those things that we need to do is to simply give you praise, and give you honor daily. And if we do that thing and we stay positive as we can in the whole process of our movement forward, we will see the results that I do believe that you, in fact, want us to see. Lord, lead our steps. Help us to trust you in ways that we've not trusted before. Help us to turn over to you things that we've not turned over to you before and trust you with those things. Maybe it's people. Help us trust you with those people. We love you, and we thank you for all that you do for us. So help us in our process of thinking and doing and seeing. We want to be worked well into your harmonies. We want to be doing the things that you want us, in fact, doing. It's your name that we pray. 
Amen. Very last, as I, as I really am done, I just really think that if we think about that this week, even this afternoon, and the rhythm that comes along with that, think and do and see. Think and do and see. Think and do and see. You might find yourself even moving a little bit with that. But that's okay. Think and do and see that the Lord is good and he is up to something very good for you and for me. As we prepare for our communion, I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 17, beginning with verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and, and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus says, O unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible. You know, in this uh, instance, Jesus not only rebuked the demon, but he also rebuked his disciples, didn't he? You of little faith. We have several instances in the Bible where Jesus does that, rebukes his disciples and his apostles. When Jesus walked on the water and uh, Peter tried, and then he began to sing, Jesus rebuked him for having such little faith. When he fed the 4,000, after he had fed the 5,000, they asked him how he was going to do that. And they'd been there with him when he fed the 5,000. And there again, he rebuked them for having such little faith. Why do you suppose Jesus rebuked the disciples? Was he just wanting to be hard on him? I don't think so. It's because he cared for them. He, uh, you know, during this time he spent on earth with his disciples, he was opening their minds to some pretty difficult things, things they'd never experienced things they didn't understand. And he was wanting them to get the full effect of what he was trying to teach them. And that's why sometimes he was a little bit impatient with them. Sometimes he was a little frustrated. I thought today, 
since Mike isn't here, maybe it'd be a good time for us to have a little family talk. And it just dawned on me during Boyd's sermon, Mike's probably watching this. So if you are, Mike, it's okay. It's all good. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, I thought maybe Mike was a little hard on us. Maybe three or four weeks ago in, in a couple of sermons. And uh, I think in my mind, I thought he was kind of questioning who we considered to be our leader. Is it Jesus or is it a politician? I've had coffee with him a couple of mornings since then, and, and I thought about bringing it up to him, and I, I didn't. And then last Sunday, in his sermon, he alluded to the fact that he thought maybe he'd been a little hard on us. So I told Christy, I'm, I'm glad that I did not bring that up when I had met with him. And she agreed. She said, I'm glad you didn't either. But you know why it was hard on us? It's because he cares about us. See, he cares about us. He loves this church. And he wants all of us to have the full benefit of Jesus in our lives. And that's why we're going through this. Recover, renovate, reconnect, and reap. And during this recover time, he wanted to be sure that we realized we need the full benefit of Jesus, who is your leader. I sometimes listen to a podcast by the Duck Dynasty guys, and it's usually Phil, the dad, and his son, Alan, and his son, Jace. This week, I was listening to one of them, and they were talking about this very thing. They get kind of political at times, and uh, one of them said, well, the leader that I want to have is one that can forgive sins and raise people from the dead. And I agree with them. That's the leader we want, isn't it? Jesus to be our leader. I'm also going to read some writings of Paul in 1 Corinthians here. I'm going to be reading chapter 11, beginning with verse 26. He says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. So what he is saying is we need to examine our hearts before we do partake of this. And you know, we don't too much like to do that sometimes. Boyd kind of alluded to that. We'd rather uh, examine somebody else's heart, wouldn't we? (laughs) But we need to examine our hearts. And the reason that Paul wrote this is because he cares about us, the church. And he wanted us to be in the proper frame of mind when we come and partake of this communion. So as we do, let's examine our hearts. And remember, we're proclaiming Jesus' death until he comes. Let's go ahead and pray. 
Dear Lord, we do come to you with thankful hearts. We do desire to have an attitude of gratitude for all that Jesus has done for us, Father, for his willingness to come and walk this earth, suffer and die, that we might have eternal life. We also uh, have an attitude of gratitude for what he is doing and will be doing in our lives. As we do partake of this, let's just remember the fact that he was willing to suffer and die for each of us. We ask it in Christ's name, Father. Amen.